Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. In this episode, we're joined by Beth Watkins of Beth Loves Bollywood to discuss two films from Hindi cinema's greatest showman, Raj Kapoor. First up, Kapoor's 1948 directorial debut, Og, in which he plays a scarred actor with a weakness for women named Nirmala. Then Maranam Joker, Kapoor's 1970 passion project about a clown who is driven to entertain despite his own sadness. Before we begin, we would like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis people. Oh, yeah, we made it through the intro again. <laughs> now to make it through the rest of the episode. Uh, welcome, Beth. We are so excited to have you here. You are one of like the OG Bollywood bloggers. <laughs> I guess I am, yeah. Yeah, we, I like that. I like that name. <laughs> we first came across your blog when, like, we were researching to to start this, and uh, there's there's a lot on there. You've been doing it for a while, right? Since 2005, unbelievably. Wow, that's a good backlog. It's mm-hmm. it's a yeah, <laughs> it's a long time, which so I kind of can't believe. How did you get started on it? What was the impetus? So I saw Mujito um, Sti Karogi and. I was totally bitten by the Bollywood bug, but I didn't have anyone to talk about it with. So I started writing it out, you know, mm-hmm. and it just kind of boomed from there. I think that's uh, a recurring theme when we talk to to people online who are passionate about Bollywood, uh, is that they started watching Bollywood and no one else in their real life wanted to talk about it. So they went to the internet and yeah. that's how we started the show and yeah. so many others. <laughs> All those conversations we have online, I think it's a very similar Mm-hmm. Uh, starting point. It seems like you have a pretty varied uh, film diet, though, because uh, you're often taking uh, photos and they end up on your Twitter and, uh, you know, ironic commentary underneath. Yeah. How much of your time would you say you're spending watching Indian films? I I think I'm averaging one or two a week. Mm-hmm. So what's that, five hours a week or something like that? And I don't write very much anymore at all. So that, you know, there's more time for watching if you don't actually write about them. But mm-hmm. I don't really think that's a great trade off. But yeah, it's a, I mean, it's my major hobby outside of work for sure. Hmm. Yeah, cool. So that's like a Maranam Joker and a half a week. <laughs> yes, new standard of measurement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Shimaru cut, by the way, if anyone asks. Well, we'll get to that. Right. But uh, we'll yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, uh, and I know that you'd uh, seen actually a few Raj Kapoor films before we started talking. And I think you might have even watched one in the interim. Yeah, that's right. I got on a roll with these two and decided I would finally watch Shri 420, which somehow I had never seen, despite everyone saying it was good. So I got that one under my belt before today as well. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, mostly. Yeah. Hmm. Have no. you guys seen that one? No, we no, have not yet. Yeah, no. Not yet. We really, with the show, we really started with contemporary and we've been kind yeah. of moving back when we can. Yeah. Um, but we try and balance out like the new stuff with the old stuff. Unfortunately, I think we kind of lean more towards new than, than maybe I would like sometimes (laughs) it's, it's accessible, right? Yeah. And Raj Kapoor will be there when you're ready for him. As if there's one thing we've learned from our project for this podcast, he will be there. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's waiting in the wings. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So one thing I've noticed with your blog is that you tend to focus on a lot of classic Bollywood, older titles and a lot of um, uh, other Indian uh, film industries as well, like Bengali. What attracts you more to kind of maybe the older stuff than the new? The 70s Hindi masala is my 
you know, where my heart really resides most. Like once I found that, I realized, ah, this is my, you know, this is my world for whatever reason. Um, I really like, I really like how Masala is done most of the time in that, in that era. Um, and Bengali movies I got into because I was one of those people who had actually never seen a Satyajit Ray film mm. until a couple of years ago. And people are like, you watch indie movies, but you've never seen Ray. What up? So <laughs> I decided I would give into the pressure and, and watch them. And, and I thought, oh, well, yeah, okay. I understand why everyone wants yeah. me to watch these. So I watched all of his and then branched out into some other um, older Bengali movies. Current Bengali movies don't really do it for me in no. the limited amount I've gotten to see. But like watching watching Calcutta remake a uh Telugu masala movie is quite a quite a thing mm-hmm. not for the faint of heart necessarily but yeah but the older films i really like it's like that line in a piku when Topeka Padukone like storms out of her date and she's really upset that her date exactly. doesn't doesn't vote and doesn't watch Ray films yeah <laughs> i have had that as my facebook header image before <laughs> that very set of dialogues <laughs> it's a good one like what is it about uh, uh ray that um your like super fancy cineast will say, "Oh yeah, he's the be and all end all of uh, Indian cinema." Because like, if you're at the Criterion Collection, you know that and Salam Bombay. I don't know what else you would find there. They don't have yeah. Salam Bombay. It's Monsoon Wedding. Monsoon Wedding. Sorry. Yeah, like it's, it, you know, in the eyes of the uh, intelligentsia, he's like the only guy. But he's definitely not the only guy. Yeah, he's definitely not the only guy. I think there's something. Um elevated yet also very accessible about his films like everything is very very carefully done but it's meant to be expressive and communicative and I I mean I don't know this about him from his own words or anything but it seems like he's making movies for anybody um but in a thoughtful way that is just beautiful I think mm-hmm. I'm gonna call out Matt right now because we have piles of rays sitting uh, on our bookshelf I'm busy watching. And you've never watched of, any of them. I'm, I'm busy watching a movie about you know a guy giving a clown doll to every girl he meets in his whole life. Right. You know we're looking at different kinds of art cinema on this podcast today. I guess in the same way with uh with Raj Kapoor, Ray will be there for you yeah. when you need. He's <laughs> he literally in the other room. Literally <laughs> sitting on the shelf because man, when Criterion does those fifty percent off sales, yeah. you got to buy them all. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we've got a few notes on Raj Kapoor, though, to uh, let our listeners who are more into the Western films get them up to speed. So, um, or like us, who this is their first encounter with Raj Kapoor. Yeah, nice. really. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he was a prominent actor, director, and producer, and he was known as the greatest showman. That's according to Wikipedia, and yeah. uh, I like that because uh, he was the greatest showman before Hugh Jackman was even born. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was Barnum was the greatest showman, then Kapoor, (laughs) then Hugh Jackman now. (laughs) But he was uh, very, very popular in Europe and Asia. And I think you can see definitely in um, Naranam Joker the the influence of uh, Soviet Russia, uh, because there is a huge subplot about that. And, you know, they wouldn't have put that in there if there wasn't some sort of, you know, inter-country connections. Yeah, he had a relationship with film festivals in Moscow and was recently... Frequently be on their juries. Mm-hmm. So, um, but he is what the paterfamilias of the Kapoor family, huh? No, he's the firstborn son of the oh. paterfamilias. Who was the so who's the dad? His, the dad is Prithvi Raj Kapoor, who was an actor in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s <laughs> onward. He's in some of Raj Kapoor's films. And uh, if you, if anyone wants a starter with him, he plays Alexander the Great in a really wonderful Hindi film called Sikhander, which I think is on YouTube with subtitles. Mm-hmm. And he, he 
stomps around in the little skirt, and it's great. <laughs> uh, but we also have uh, Shami Kapoor and Shashi. His brothers. Yeah, and um, it was Shashi who's in Odd, right, as the younger version? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He was, I thought he was great. Um, and then we have uh, Raja's sons, Randir and Rishi, and Rishi appears in Maranam Joker. I also thought for the role that he was given, he did a good job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> His eyes sure were blue. They're very blue. <laughs> and we've also got grandchildren, Charisma, Karina, and Rambir. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a, a dynasty of uh, filmy talent there. They got into the industry uh, shortly after its inception in India, and, you know, their legacy has, has carried on to the present day. Yeah. Uh, Raj started in movies at the age of 10 years old and established RK Films when he was 24. It's very Orson Wellesian and... Uh, also, there's that uh, Charlie Chaplin influence, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit, but mm -hmm. that is entrepreneurial. But his uh, directorial debut was Og in 1948. Uh, he went on to direct, produce, and star in many, many hit films, including Barsat, uh, Awara, Shri 420, and Ganga Bethi High. Um, yeah, you've seen a few of these other ones, but we wanted to pick some that you hadn't seen yet. So what movies had you seen of Rush Kapoor's before uh, I contacted you and said, do you want to watch the clown movie? So I had seen uh, two of the black and whites and two of the color, and I'm making that distinction on purpose for reasons I'm sure we'll get into. Mm -hmm. um, I had seen Barsat and Awara, which I think I would say is my favorite of his films. Uh, and then I had seen Bobby, mm -hmm. which also stars um, Rishi as a, you know, I think he's about 20 when that movie was made. Um, and Sachem Shivam Sundaram, which stars Shashi. I, I'm with you on the color slash black and white divide, but yeah, we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. uh, but his and Farsat was his first big hit. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a, a huge hit, but I guess it's a Colin Card movie. Yeah, he modeled his image on Charlie Chaplin's Little Tramp character, mm -hmm. which is, I think, pretty obvious to the point of maybe being a little bit copyright steely. But <laughs> I wondered about that. Yeah, I was kind of hoping. I don't know. I know very little about Charlie Chaplin and I've actually never seen a whole film of his. I was really? kind of hoping oh, man. you maybe had and could talk about that oh, because I just wondered. Lots, yeah. I'm like, this is this this is copying, no? <laughs> it, it, it's definitely an homage. It, it, it is. I mean, Chaplin, I think Chaplin had a different, from what I've seen. So obviously at this point, I've only seen these two films with Rush before. I don't see the same kind of physical comedy with mm. Raj Kapoor. I mean, obviously, like, you know, there there is a lot that comes from kind of his 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 movements, but not in the same way as as Chaplin, where these these kind of big visual comedy set pieces. Vaudeville. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Kapoor is a bit more rooted in sentimentality, yes. which is obviously something Chaplin was trading in as well, but with Kapoor, I think that's very much the thing that he was was pulling from Chaplin, and less um, the pratfalls, which are very impressive. I I love Chaplin. Uh, I've seen many many of his films. We actually had a retrospective here in Edmonton. Oh God, like yes. ten years ago of almost all of his work, and wow. I was able to see most of it on thirty five millimeter. Mm -hmm. um, I have a huge admiration for Chaplin, so I was interested in kind of seeing India's version. And, yeah. and, and I think, I think potentially I can't speak, um, I can't speak about the connection yet because with Odd, he hasn't really developed that character yet. 
it comes back in Awara, so you'll or um, and it's in Shri, so it's mostly in Shri four twenty yeah. and Awara, I think. Mm-hmm. But you'll so when you get to those, you'll you'll have plenty to chomp on. Mm-hmm. And then in Marinam Joker, it's there, but it feels to me like he's matured out of it. Like there's still. Mm-hmm trace touches of it and this is me kind of speculating based on what i've read and and what it's seen so there's touches of it uh especially in kind of the the third act where he plays a bit more of a bum character mm-hmm. um but yeah. it didn't it didn't feel like he was doing a chaplain impression which is what i was Good. expecting because when we watched yeah. sawaria with some friends of ours <laughs> they thought that Rambier Kapoor was doing a Chaplin impression. Oh, interesting! In film. I was like, oh no, no, no! He's he's trying to do his grandfather. It, it's yeah, a Chaplin. Yeah. It's it's a Chaplin impression twice removed. Yeah, right. a, a bit. But I think I you know it. I I personally don't think there's a huge issue with it. You know, when you talk about copyright or copyright infringement, because uh, in India, like, were they necessarily getting Chaplin films? Well, I feel know, like he, he's got the international connections probably seeing them because mm-hmm. he knows people at film festivals, that kind of thing. But, but I don't think he was doing festivals before he started that character. I yeah, don't true, think. True, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm sh- they must have been because otherwise how would he – well, first of all, how would he have known? But, you know, through the British are bringing films yeah. in yeah. a lot. So, yeah, I'm sure they And especially the silent ones, all you had to do was change the intertitles and right. you had a Hindi film. So. They're pretty easy to port over. But he's taking that kind of style of character and that um, mode and adapting it and translating it and reinventing it for Indian audiences. And I think I think that is interesting. And I think there's value in that. Um, and it's not as simple as just saying, you know, like, oh, he's copying Chaplin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think we've seen the films yet that best connect with Chaplin. Yeah. You do yeah. see clips of it in Marinam Joker Dode. They're in my favorite song, actually, in the mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Kapoor went well into the 70s and early 80s in his career. And his last major film role was Vakil Babu in 1982 with his brother Shashi Kapoor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he racked up 11 Filmfare Awards and three National Film Awards. And the mm-hmm. Filmfare Lifetime Achievement Award is named after Raj Kapoor. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it's quite a astounding career. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just also want to say, this being our first episode and our first experience with Raj Kapoor, we're only going to start to scratch the surface of this man's career and yeah his legacy so you know i put i put an asterisk on that and that's why i'm so glad we have you beth uh who who knows a bit more about you know kind of the core legacy sure i was surprised when i so you know doing this with you when i went to look at all he had directed it's 10 films which i don't mean to say only 10 films but that's not as many as i thought it was Mm -hmm. the way people talk about him as this auteur and everything i figured it was 20 ish yeah. at least but it's it's 10 which is by bollywood standards like yeah, okay that's some films <laughs> that's a drop in the bucket yeah but they seem like each one was pretty influential at least once they started getting popular and also marinam joker took like six years to make right so that he was out of circulation for a while there was a i think there was an event quality to to some of his work mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah like when you read about maranam joker and it taking six years to make and kind of the anticipation and the hype around it uh you know i i can't think of um a better way to relate that other than an event film right mm-hmm. yeah. Like, yeah it's an event for people it's not just a regular film so uh came out in 1948 was the directorial debut of Raj Kapoor. it features him nargis comedy cultural Nigar Sultana and Shashi Kapoor as uh, young Raj Kapoor. And that's Shashi Kapoor's debut. Yeah. 
Um, and it was the first film featuring Kapoor and Nargis went on to be in a couple others. Bit of a Jody type, huh? Yeah, their their pairing is legendary. Yeah. Um, let's see if I can recount the entirety of the plot. Actually, it's pretty easy. It's a pretty simple plot. Yeah. So uh, it's one of those movies where someone falls in love when they're like eight or nine years old, and then this ruins their life. <laughs> Um, so Raj Kapoor plays a young man who has well, dreams of being in the night. theater. It opens on his wedding night. It opens on his wedding night and he has a horrible secret that he's been burned and he's telling his, uh, new bride the kind of story of how he got to this point. Mm-hmm. But we find out that as a young, young little boy, he was entranced by, um, Maybe street performers, not quite a circus, but it, there's guys outside getting people into the theater, and he he loves it. He's he's obsessed, and wouldn't you know it? His family not super impressed by their son from a wealthy family wanting to become a theater kid instead. Um, so they wanted uh, to be a lawyer. Yeah, they want to be a lawyer. He's like the he, he was supposed to be like the third or fourth generation of lawyers in his family, right? Yeah. yeah. Nepotism. <laughs> a little bit, maybe. <laughs> um, but uh, the enterprising young boy, played by Shashi, um, sets up his own little theater, the Kamal Theater. And his uh, childhood best friend, uh, Nimi, he gets her to play the same role in the theater production they see early on. And this is a leitmotif through the film of him just chasing after this one girl over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it goes into kind of his 20s age... Well, Nimi moves away. Yeah, Nimi moves away. And this wrecks him. Uh, but he goes to school and kind of is not satisfied by the academic experience of being a lawyer. Uh, he clowns around all the time. He would prefer to be very dramatic and skip classes and hang out with girls, which he does. He finds another Nirmala and falls in love with her. Yeah, what what are the odds? Huh? And he can't have her either. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rashford, not the best luck with the ladies in all of these movies. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he flunks out of school and then, you know, finds that theater is his true calling. And then the second half of the movie, I would say, much more interesting than the first half. He mm-hmm. puts on various theatrical productions and finds more women to kind of obsess over. Including Nargis. Including Nargis. The third Nimi. Uh, though he gives her the name Nimi. Yeah, but dude's got a type, am I right? Yes. Specifically women named very, Nimi. Very specific, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it it's a real bifurcated movie because mm-hmm. the first half is a little bit similar to Marin M. Joker, actually, where it is your kind of school days narrative and a dreamer who wants to do something other than boring school, I guess. Mm -hmm. And you also have the little kid narrative of, you know, we've we've talked about this before, but, you know, little kids could say that they're in love, but they don't actually understand it, really. He's just, he just knows that he needs this person to live, Mm -hmm. but I don't think he understands fully what actually what's, what it actually means. Mm -hmm. But this kind of stunts him. And through the rest of his life, he's chasing after that dream to what I would say is actually a fairly unconvincing finale. Yeah. Yeah, it has it has kind of a an unsurprising coincidence at the end that I think you can kind of see coming from a mile away. Yeah. 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 It is 70 years old. I'm not too worried about spoiling it. Yeah. But, um, I thought that 
the filmmaking though was actually pretty interesting um yeah. you could definitely tell that this was for the most part a stage bound production there's a few uh street scenes outside early on and then occasional ones later but everything else is really on a set and using chiaroscuro photography to full effect i don't think there's a scene that's lit normally in the whole movie mm. apart from the outside scenes and mm. so it's it's definitely like i am a director yes <laughs> i am a man of the theater yeah. very very self-consciously arty and i could see maybe this is why it didn't fly and do that well but potentially, I, I do think like the story, both the story is kind of pretty like pat and somewhat maudlin maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the last half of it is really just kind of like a standard love triangle. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But I do, I do think that the filmmaking elevates it. I, I found... Um, especially with the way that he was using the black and white, black and white photography, which obviously they didn't even have color at the time, but still it just, there's, there was something very evocative about it. And, mm -hmm. and you know, what you, what you say about the lighting, I don't know if that lighting, um, is being employed because of budgetary restrictions. I mean, that's how noir developed its style was yeah. because, you know, they were trying to make films cheaply. And so here it has... It could be more has, in the expressionist mode, though, of actually trying to look like that. Yeah, it has kind of some of those those markers, not necessarily in the narrative, but certainly in the visual aesthetic. And I think it is, it's evocative. Yeah. Uh, what did you think, Beth? Yeah, I would agree with all of that. And I think it's, I think, um, like Awara, it's, um, it's really pretty. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't know if the point of it is to be pretty, but it... Um, you know, the showman is really putting on a show here and mm -hmm. it's, I find it really, really effective, especially compared with some of his other films. And this is just, it's just beautiful to watch. Mm -hmm. There's also a song about being a baby. <laughs> there is a song with a, yeah, an adult baby. Always fun. Yeah. You know, when you pointed, I'm glad that you brought that film up, that song up again, because one of the well, things I, I can't I, stop doing it. Well, yeah, I always no, have to bring like, up the baby song. Stop? <laughs> Between um, this and Perinda, we can start like a playlist of adult baby songs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that one of the things I really like about Raj Kapoor univer uh, pretty consistently is I think the man knows how to make a song, mm -hmm. yeah. um, which not all directors in Hindi cinema do, oddly. Um, but he's really, really good at it. But then you get something like that and you're like, mm -mm. I, I don't know who made these choices. They seem a little, they just seem like they don't belong. They don't, I mean, it's, it's comic relief, I guess, which I mm -hmm. often don't care for in Hindi films, but. Um, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Us too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, can you, can you explain Govinda met, yet? <laughs> I have never met a non-Indian who watches Hindi films who likes comic relief. They must be out there, but I, for the most part, we don't seem to get it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, this is, this is just a, it's a really, pretty film and it's it's melodramatic but it worked for me i'll say that we watched both of these on the shimara youtube channel and i don't know if the visuals are really well cared for by shimaru um i'm pretty sure this would have been like academy ratio and i believe they made have chopped off the top and the bottom to fit it into widescreen oh, um, but uh something we have I, to confirm that i'm not yeah it doesn't make sense that it would have been shot in widescreen for the, the time period. For 48, yeah. For 48, yeah. Yeah, uh, but it well, something I did really like on the Shimmeru uh, YouTube is that the subtitles are really, really well done. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you get a sense of that more poetic, elevated language that sometimes doesn't always come across. And we've often said that, like, that's why comedy is so hard for us, is that it's so based on wordplay and puns that those are hard to get across in subtitles fast enough for you to read. Um, Obviously, we don't speak Hindi, so we don't know how accurate they are, but they were certainly devoid of, like, typos and spelling errors. But they, <laughs> Yeah, and they, and they cohered. Like, you felt mm -hmm. like I, – I didn't feel like I was missing something with the subtitles here, even if I was. Yeah, yeah. and you got the sense of the individual characters' voices and um, their state of mind at the time, where uh, a more – maybe a less descriptive uh, script would have uh, made that a bit more difficult. But I, I thought they did a really good job on that. I would assume that it's easier to do good subtitles on something that is of the, I mean, this is not quite a brick bat film, but it's getting there. So maybe mm -hmm. it's easier to do subtitles when there's not a whole lot of subtlety happening mm -hmm. in words. Yeah, that's fair. I will say that I, I do agree that unfortunately, um, you know, it, it, it's great that there's so many older films available through Shimmeru, sometimes with subtitles. Um, but I do agree that I, the visuals suffered. I still thought, um, that the film was beautiful to look at, and I was able to look past that. But, man, India really needs to start restoring more of its old movies, because that would certainly uh, help us uh, watch more of them. Mm -hmm. And um, tell people to watch them and buy them and stuff. Yeah, so, I think, unfortunately, you know, that ends up being a big... T-series, hit me up over here. <laughs> ...barrier with um, with getting into older films, uh, older Indian films, at least for us. Yeah, this is the it's oldest... accessibility and... Yeah. Is there even a transfer with subtitles? This is the oldest movie we've talked about on the podcast. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think the next oldest is probably Bozzy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's like 50, 51. Mm -hmm. So um, getting a hold of the older stuff, while we do enjoy it, and we, you know, we like old movies of whatever country we're looking at, it's a lot easier when you can actually, like, parse the visuals a bit better. Yeah. But this looks good. Um, so Beth, what did you think of the various heroines of the film? Um, so I, I watched this after I watched Maranam Joker. So like the whole treatment of women in general was a palate cleanser relatively. Mm -hmm. And I know we'll get to that more. Um, I, Raj Kapoor's attitude towards women on screen is not my favorite, uh, even here where it's relatively less creepy. It's still mm -hmm. pretty creepy. They don't really do much. I mm -hmm. mean, college Nimi just, or university Nimi just kind of comes and goes and she seems to be instantly in love with him for, I have no idea what reason. I feel like this film has a lot of shorthanding in it that I, I really wanted a little bit more. They go to see one play and he dedicates his whole life to the theater. You mm -hmm. know, like I didn't, there's no building. He talks about, he has theater experience and he sort of put on the beginning of a show once when he was a kid and then that was it. Um, they mentioned but, his blue eyes over and over and over. Oh, again. I know. It's a black and white I movie. Know. <laughs> well, I mean, we can't we can't put that together ourselves. Yeah. Like, could they um, find another feature? Yeah, I think yeah, he's yeah, a handsome guy. To, I don't. I don't know what color his dad's eyes are, so maybe they're trying to set him off from his dad or something. I don't mm. know. But it. But yeah. So the women. I mean, the women are as much tools of whatever it is he's doing as the male characters are. I think like his friend isn't really. Mm -hmm. much and his um you know artistic partner is also fairly mysterious and just kind of conveniently appears but um mm -hmm. you know nargis nargis's character is deliberately um 
homeless and nameless and dramatic symbol of partition and all that kind of stuff. So that that was interesting, I thought. She's definitely the best uh, female character, yeah. Yeah, I was I was excited for Nargis to finally show up in the movie. I know. It's like, <laughs> where is she? <laughs> Because yeah. when I got to college, Nimi, I was like, oh, here's going to be Nargis. It's like, that's not Nargis. <laughs> and it takes her, it takes, like, she doesn't show up until essentially the halfway point yeah. in the film. And uh, halfway through the film, I thought, like, man, I, I don't know. But the, mm-hmm. the, the second half kind of redeemed it. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I think because of gangster movies and noir, I'm like trained to look for the homoerotic subtext. Mm-hmm. And in this love triangle, it was non-existent. Mm-hmm. I really, I really didn't get the sense that these two men were in love at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like they planned it that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. I mean, it helps that when you meet the painter, his room is filled with paintings of Narcos. So yeah. it's like, well, yeah. all right, we see where his inclin- in his inclinations lie. Yeah, it's a real no homo sign right there. Like, <laughs> yep, I painted a bunch of ladies. It's... I'm not that that's like a knock against the film. I, you know, I think I was just expecting more of like a little Caesar thing. Yeah. Um, when it got to the love triangle, and I was like, oh, this is this is actually different than most love triangles. I feel like. Yeah, they're basically just like you know, work friends. <laughs> He, wa- he wandered into his abandoned theater one day and, you know, the painter's like, hey, wait a minute. You want to run this abandoned theater that I own? Why does he own an abandoned, why does he own a theater and how does he have all this money? I have so many questions about this movie. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's a prequel or something where you find out that he's a bank robber. <laughs> well, or maybe too, this is a, a seriously chopped version of this film yeah. and there's, you know, even, even 10 minutes of backstory for these characters spread out across it would explain, you know, quite a bit, but... Yeah, it was only two hours, and so I don't know if that um, is the original runtime or not. No. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's another thing you come across with uh, the Shimaru releases is that that may be all they have left. Yeah. Right, right. Um, I assume it is. Yeah. But uh, honestly, I think the visual storytelling is my favorite part of the movie. Yes. The actors are fine, but it's it's almost Bressonian in the fact that you don't know anything about them and... Their emotions are sad rather than like, well, apart from Rajpur, who's very emotional. Mm-hmm. But it's just sort of like, she's sad. Why? Well, she's from Punjab, and you know what happened there. So it's like, yeah, we're focusing on um, lighting and some interesting editing techniques later on as yeah. the narrative starts to fracture a little bit and uh, some fire, you know. And he really knows how to use the close up. That's yeah, what really he does. impressed me. Is he really understood uh, how to get the camera right in there on actors' faces mm-hmm. and yeah. let kind of those emotions come come through. And I think you see that the, the most in the second half, kind of in this love triangle, and and that really really impressed me. And I you know really drew me into this film. And ultimately, it's one of the reasons why I did really enjoy it, despite yeah. the fact that again, like this this story is. You know, it's like, pretty like pat, say, but it's also possibly yeah. the first time they did it. Yeah, but like you say, there's there's really nothing here uh, for women. Yeah, because <laughs> it's just no. about how this man idolizes women and they love him for the sake of the narrative and and and, and because it's all from his yeah. perspective. So they never really have any agency or any kind of identity of their own. It's, it's all put on by him. Mm-hmm. This is a lot better than most people's first film, I would say. Yeah. 
Um, and I, so I'm hoping that you all can speak to this because I can't. I've only seen a few Orson Welles films, but I just felt very Orson Wellesy during mm-hmm. this whole thing. Did, did what Similar did you haircut? think about that? They, <laughs> yeah, uh, I I would say yeah. that yeah, this this is definitely in the what is it Mercury Mercury Radio Theater of the Air. That was mm-hmm. his his repertory company, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely that sort of great man. I'm an artist storytelling that while somewhat annoying is also, you know, a lot of people start that way. <laughs> I don't think yeah. it has the depth in the narrative that Citizen Kane has. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Um, like, nowhere near, nor is no. it as intricate in its narrative structure and its storytelling. Yeah. But it certainly feels like a calling card. It's, it seems yeah. like this is the arrival of someone who has um, artistry in him. Like, he, he's already yeah. kind of showing up fully formed as a great artist. And it helps it helps to further that narrative because the film is about art itself yeah and 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 it is interesting that that right off the hop i mean obviously this is not the first film he ever appeared in but from a directing standpoint and at 24 that right off the hop he already has all of these kind of ideas about the life of an artist and what it means to be an artist i mean he said he said 24 years of being in an artistic family yeah so you know yeah He's he's ideally set for. In fourteen years, it. you know, I don't know how many how much he did between ten and twenty four, but at least fourteen years between uh, his directorial debut and his screen debut. Yeah, and he's got access, right? Because his mm-hmm. dad's yeah. a big deal. He's able to get funding, that kind of thing, and presumably, yeah. I mean, they started RK Films too, so you know, yeah. that doesn't happen without some backing. Mm-hmm. So he's yeah. like ideally placed to make this statement movie, and. Then he goes and makes some more fun movies afterwards, it sounds like. Yeah. I thought we talked about this a little bit over Twitter, but I I feel like the the so not only is he the young artist is a great man, great artist, whatever, um, the there's a little bit of him as India in this, I think, mm-hmm. which is which I didn't know was coming and I, I was I mean, again, not my favorite trope, but I thought it worked pretty well here. And especially given when the film was made, that that's so recent that, yeah. of course, someone would want to explore some of that. And the the idea of, of a nation being an artistic work is a pretty interesting concept. And yeah. I like that he did he did it in that big speech in the, you know, the abandoned theater. And then we don't really come back to it overtly very much, I don't think. And I, I, I thought that was a nice handling of that. that. He kind of brings it up, lets you think about it, but doesn't ram it down your throat like he does some of the other stuff well then he has nargis around to point to and like look at this uh, right. wounded injured woman that i'm helping bring back to life right yeah. she she does what she can with this material but it is it is frustrating oh, yeah. that she that she's not she's a symbol for him she's yeah. not a real yeah. person but it, it yeah i will say it's a bit more um a, a little bit you know, more subtle than Mughal Yazam, for instance, which is narrated by the country of India coming up as a map. So, you know, um, you know, there's a little bit more nuance there. Yeah, as I like as... that just as a pull quote on the DVD box, more subtle than Mughal Yazam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If they release it again, let, I'll let that one go for free. Yeah. As far as kind of um, portrayals of individuals representing the nation state, this is nowhere near as uh, overt and uh, grand as it gets. Yeah. And it's not even as overt as something like um, Amar Akbar Anthony, which is, yeah. you know, that, that director is probably my favorite Hindi film director ever. And, um, you know, he's not subtle either. <laughs> Loved Amar Akbar Anthony. <laughs> And also not subtle, but I appreciated it. Yeah. 
So I think that's a good time to go to interval, though. Yeah, do, does anyone have anything to add on Og? I would just like to salute us for not going, Og! Because that's what most people do when they see this film, I think. So good for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Until you just did. <laughs> well. But she lampshaded it. <laughs> yeah, you did. You, you, should did cut, you should cut it out, but, you know. You did lampshade <laughs> it nicely. <laughs> uh, Beth, you chose our interval song. Do you want to introduce it? Yeah, so that song, you know, when they open open with it, I actually thought it was steering the film in a slightly different direction than it went, but it really just makes the, you know, the thesis of the film laid bare. And maybe it's a subtitling issue, but I feel like I don't always get that in songs that they're being so clear about an overall thing versus an actual moment in the narrative or a current emotional state. So I I really liked that about it. You didn't think the narrative was being steered towards horny uh, Rishi Kapoor? I mean, that's that's usually a given in his career, but I, I didn't see it coming. <laughs> so this is a sample from Gina Yahan Marna Yahan from, again, Maranam Joker. Gina Yahan Marna Yahan Iske siwa jala Gina Yahan Marna Yahan Iske siwa jala Long time uh, Biffleheads will know that uh, ATB is one of our biggest sponsors, Uh, but they have started a brand new podcast called We Are Alberta that I'd like to talk to you about for a minute. So what's a financial institution doing producing a podcast? Well, it's simple. With over 300 branches and agencies located throughout Alberta, ATB is uniquely positioned to shine a light on the treasure trove of untold stories in the farthest corners of our province, that being Alberta. Every month, join host and ATB economist Nick Ford as he explores Alberta's geography, its businesses, organizations, and its diverse and fascinating people, all viewed through an economic lens. On the first episode of the new show, they talk to Token Naturals a new business setting up in Alberta that is playing the long game of getting into cannabis before legalization. They're doing things a little bit differently than other cannabis companies in the province. Instead of growing weed, they want to create a line of cannabis-infused oils and cannabis drinks for consumption. So take a listen to this episode of We Are Alberta to find out how Keenan Pascal and Cam O'Neill from Token Naturals are working with cannabis and hear how Alberta's economy might evolve in light of this budding industry. We hope you enjoy it. For more info on We Are Alberta, check out atb.com slash learn slash podcast or find it anywhere pods are cast. As many of you know, Matt and I call Edmonton home. Edmonton is the most northern city in the Americas with over a million people. It's a diverse, vibrant, and admittedly cold place. And one that we're proud to call home. I am thrilled to share with you that a new podcast is taking root here in Dirt City. Launching on September 28th, Otherwise is a variety podcast dedicated to empowering diverse communities living on Treaty 6 territory by sharing stories of lived experiences. The show will highlight Edmonton's collective ethno-cultural linguistic diversity and heritage and reflect on who we are as a city and bring about positive change. So whether you're a fellow Edmontonian like myself or you're interested in what life is like over here in Canada, you can find Otherwise at otherwiseshow.com where you can hear a short trailer ahead of the first episode launching on the 28th. So that was Gina Yahan Marna Yahan from Maranam Joker, a film we are now going to talk about. <laughs> 
And I have to say that while we were watching this movie and that song came on, Matt, you made a perfect uh, observation that it sounds There's like... There's so many of those that I make. How do you keep them straight? Uh, that it sounds like the Duff Beer song from <laughs> The Simpsons. <laughs> Duff yeah. Beer for me. Yeah. Duff Beer for you. Yeah, so we've had that stuck in our heads ever since. Yeah. And I specifically wanted to mention that after we played it so people wouldn't have that in their head while they were listening to it. So now go back and listen to it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's the Jeff Beer song. It's there, people. <laughs> but uh, Maranam Joker came out in 1970 after a pretty protracted uh, production. Mm-hmm. A little bit of uh, consonants there. But uh, directed by Raj Kapoor, obviously, featuring Simi Garawal, Dharmendra, Ksenia Rabni, oh boy. <laughs> I know, I was like, we already have Russian difficulty, yeah. we already have difficulty with the Indian names, now we need to say a Russian name? Yeah, so that is Ksenia Rabnik, Rabnik, Rabinkinya, okay, Ksenia Rabinkinya, damn it, no I didn't, Ksenia Rabinkina, Ksenia Rabinkina. Padmini and Rishi Kapoor in his debut role. So the music was composed by the duo of Shankar uh, Jalkishan, and they had a long collaboration with Kapoor. Yeah, and I think this was their ninth Filmfare Award uh, for music in this film. Yeah, they're they're, uh, iconic and and very well celebrated. Yeah. Unfortunately, this movie was not well received when it came out. It was a critical and financial flop, but it has since attained a cult status. Partially due to the fact that the original cut was four hours long. so and had two intervals. Yeah, two intervals. Uh, Sangam, I think, was the first one to do that, and then yeah. this is the second one. So, realistically, you can only show this a couple times a day, mm. and that cuts down on your box office taking, so I guess they didn't think about that. But it did pretty well at the Filmfare Awards. It uh, got five, including uh, Best Director for Kapoor, and it was nominated for seven of those. But it's now kind of a cult film. And we... And it's considered a masterpiece by some. There's been a critical reevaluation of it. And now many people consider it a classic. And I think part of this is due to um, the fact that in 1980, a shorter version was released (laughs) and did a lot better at the box office. That's the version we watched. Yeah, we watched the uh, Shimaru cut. Yes, and that's the one you watched too, right, Beth? It is. Yeah, I I would like to see the four-hour one. Maybe not today, though. Um, but we had the three-hour one was more accessible, and also, it's a movie about clowns. Yeah, we missed twenty minutes of each girlfriend, though. So, yeah. you know, who knows what other stuff yeah. happened? Yeah, that I could certainly think of a few points in the movie where you could definitely tell that a bunch of stuff didn't didn't make the cut. Yeah. So the I wouldn't say this is the most well executed uh, shortening down of a film I've ever seen. Hmm. Um, but, uh, Aaron, why don't you tell us the plot of the movie? Cause I did Ock. Sure. So the plot is actually somewhat similar to Ock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we open with a circus performance and, um, Raj Kapoor is playing Joker and he's giving his last performance and he's invited three women to come see him. Invited them how? <laughs> By sending them <laughs> a creepy clown doll. Yeah. <laughs> we then... Do you think they compared notes afterwards? Like... This clown doll meant a lot in our lives, but did he just buy, like, two more and then send them out? (laughs) That clown doll. You know, whenever movies use dolls as important props, like, they really need to think through the aesthetics (laughs) because that that clown doll 
is not attractive. But that clown doll is him. <laughs> it's not a cute I mean. Doll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we then uh, flash back to Joker's childhood. His name is uh, Raju. And then he's played by Rishi Kapoor. And we learn about how he fell in love with his teacher. Because eventually his teacher also provided uh, a sexual awakening. But he couldn't Boy, howdy. He couldn't be with her because she married another man. And she's a teacher and he's a student. <laughs> he also learns that uh, his father was a clown <laughs> and his mother uh, resents that he was a clown because he died on stage performing some uh, difficult stunts. One of the most unintentionally hilarious scenes in the movie, I would say, is when uh, his mother says, You can't be a clown. He made everyone laugh, but he made me cry. Promise me you great. won't be a clown. <laughs> And then he hugs her and says, I won't be a clown, while holding his clown doll behind her back and looking at it like, I'm going to be a clown. Yeah. Yeah. We then uh, fast forward to uh, him as an adult, and he joins his... the circus and becomes what, what a clown. What age do you think he's supposed to be in this part uh, of the movie? Like 20s. I wondered that, too. Yeah. 20s? Yeah. 20s. It's a hard 20. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so, yeah, that's a oh yeah. <laughs> I, I I was assuming twenties. Yeah, I was guessing that too. He he does say that it, that's his adolescence. There's a song later on, like mm-hmm. you know, there's three hours of a circus, which and fucking circuses are so long. <laughs> so he joins the circus and falls in love with a Russian gymnast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during this period of time, his mother also passes away while he is on stage performing similar stunts that his father had to or in the ring i guess it's not on stage it's in the ring no it's 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 up above the theming theming his uh, routine to the exact way his father died was yeah. maybe not the best thing to show your mom the first time like some of your other antics maybe not maybe not that one yeah uh but his mother dies in the middle of his performance but he is forced to continue because, the show must go on you know the show must go on and darmendra is like you I'm paying you. You got to yeah. go do it, pal. It's a lot in life to entertain. <laughs> uh, once the circus kind of reaches its, uh, its the end of its run, the Russians go back. The Russian home, gymnast yeah. goes back home, and he's heartbroken once again. So then we fast forward again into the future, and he's left the circus and is now a bit of a drifter. And <laughs> he throws his clown doll, his symbolic clown doll that he's been giving to the loves of his life, <laughs> into the ocean. He hurls it dramatically into the and ocean. And a dog comes to fetch it. And then he starts up a, a friendship with a young boy who actually turns out to be a beautiful woman who he then molds into a uh, singer and performer uh, that he um, that he nurtures. But she falls in love with someone else. Yeah. <laughs> and so then we're brought to, to his last performance where these women uh, who are older, he is also older, are watching his last performance. And he's delivering his thesis uh, as to, you know why he he entertains and 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 how his life has gone the tragedy of his life as an entertainer yeah uh clowns and circuses i did a bit of research um by way of a twitter poll and i asked people if they liked clowns (laughs) and in my like some 40 odd answers uh very few people voted for liking clowns most people voted for them being terrible. But or, my, mimes beat them out as yeah, the worst. Or mimes being worse. Be- not, like, them not being great, but mimes being worse. I think mimes mm-hmm. seem to take themselves more seriously. Yeah. I find At a least lot... a clown is like, that guy's a clown. <laughs> I find he shouldn't a lot... be taking himself seriously. Yes. I find a lot of um, creative types 
especially in the film industry, have this inexplicable love of the circus as this symbol of like pure entertainment. So I'm thinking mm. like Ingmar Bergman's Sadison's Tinsel. There's um, Children of Paradise. Uh, you get, uh, I think, Wastrata has a bunch of like circus mm. stuff. Renoir has like some circusy stuff. Uh, I I don't get it. If you were a European in the first half of the century, yeah. <laughs> the circus is like the only good thing that ever happened in your village. Like you got World War One, you got World War Two, you got communism. You know, a circus coming to town would probably be the highlight of your entire life, right? So I admit, I'm coming into this film with a bias of, I really don't appreciate circuses and clowns. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the film is so, so melodramatic to the point of ridicule that I think I felt more like I was in the, the mindset of the people who initially saw the movie and not the ones who have reevaluated it. So I can't. Mm. I don't know, but Matt, you liked this movie more than I. Do you want to explain to myself and Beth what mm. what you what you found in it? Okay, well, <laughs> set me up for a tough uh, conversation, I guess. But uh, you know, I, I don't think this movie lionizes circuses so much. It definitely makes being a clown look pretty good. Mm-hmm. Although, you does know, it? He, well, he does yeah, become a bum right. and he gets his heart broken all the time. I mean. This is just like the memoir of someone who's devoted their entire life to entertaining people, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's a pretty thinly veiled metaphor for someone who spent his life in movies. And that was part of what the excitement around this film was, was that it was kind of touted to be semi-autobiographical. Mm-hmm. And I think anytime an artist does that, you have to kind of respect it because at least they're feeling it. You know, it's, they're not being cynical, mm-hmm. Right. This movie is the uh, entire opposite of cynical. And, um, like, his character is this lovable tramp-type guy who literally gives a personification of himself to all the girls that he falls in love with. And then this is cruelly rejected back to him. So, like, it, it's very on the nose. What I liked about it was... The like, red nose. The, right on the red nose, yeah. And the red nose with the crying thing that shoots tears out of it. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. I think what I liked about it was the color palette. Mm-hmm. I like the songs. I think they're actually pretty solid. The songs are excellent. And and even at the time that this film was released, people loved the songs. And I think the, um, I would say that the editing gets fairly experimental again and interesting. Mm-hmm. From, again, this is the Shimaru cut. So there is like an hour missing. And you could definitely tell which some parts were kind of hacked away. But I'd say especially the third sequence with uh, Padmini, that looked really cool. And I was trying to figure out if it was actually like a set again, or is this a street scene? Because there's this sort of pipe that she lives in, and you get yeah. these street scenes of rain. Like, like they really went all out in making this this world happen. But yet, at the same time... <sighs> There's so many elements of this that are completely unconvincing, like he did not realize that she was not a boy. <laughs> yeah, and I did not realize that he didn't realize that. So I was like, wait a minute, Raj, come on, buddy. <laughs> the, you know, three or four more hints and you're going to figure this one out, pal. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Beth? Was this a slog? This is a horrible slog for me. <laughs> um, yes. I don't, oh, I don't. 
you know, for someone who's saying that this, he wants to be a clown because he wants to entertain, I felt this is a very solipsistic film and a very solipsistic character. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think there's, I think to be an actual entertainer, you have to be generous in some ways. And I didn't get that from this guy whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's him telling his own story and everything, but even with that in place, I just feel like, and I, I feel that way about Raj Kapoor kind of in general. So that, so, you know, okay, maybe it is autobiographical in that way, but it just, it's just, it, it was so long. I can't, I'm, I don't understand what on earth got cut out of it. It's just so creepy. It's it so is. creepy. And like, I don't think he does a really good job of making a case for this man's art. No, he doesn't. And, and, I, he, and I don't think the film ever thinks he's a great artist. Like, no, people just... are laughing, but it's not like like a Mr. Holland's Opus type situation where you're supposed to think that this is like the greatest. They they do say that his father was the greatest clown of all time, and I think right. it's mentioned that he's the greatest clown of all time. But there aren't like people fainting. But or... I, I don't feel like the film is convinced that his art is yeah. uh, valuable or worthwhile in any way. And then, uh, and then the way he's presented is just you know similar to Og this man who goes through life idolizing these women as objects. Mm-hmm. Like he, um, I don't think he is interested in the eternal lives of any of these women. No, definitely no, not, not like, at all. And, and so he's far from the only male director to have that issue though. Certainly in 1948, I'm a bit of kind of willing to, to overlook some of that stuff in Og in 1970 with this like extended runtime, like he just he's adding yeah. to it so much that I can't I can't let that stuff go. Like mm-hmm. you know, and and the way that he like films his son leering <laughs> yeah. at this oh, older woman, yeah. oh, it's gross. And the, and, the, and the way they show her, yes, is scandalous. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, and there was a lot of like you know speculation of whether or not she had a body double in some scenes because there's some. This is, this is definitely a strong way to start off your film by like, here's me as a young man. I'm using my son for this. He's very horny for his teacher. Um, we're going to do this for about an hour and then he's going to do some clown stuff later. So the story structure is very strange. Mm-hmm. Something I did appreciate, though, was the influence of uh, the Russians. Um, that's something you're not going to see in a lot of other film cultures at that time. And I can think of maybe... Two or three other uh, Bollywood films we've encountered so far, uh, Sekumaf would be one, where the um, the political friendship, I guess, between India and the Soviet Union mm-hmm. is a part. And that's honestly just kind of novel to me. Well, it makes sense that he would uh, include this Russian aspect into the film, because at the time, you know, Hollywood movies weren't playing in the Soviet Union, but Bollywood movies were very popular. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, he has a following in Russia. Yeah. I'd love to know um, how good the Russian is in this film, because none of the Russian is subtitled. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's accurate oh, right. and if you know people who speak Russian, when they watch this, if they can follow the the Russian dialogue, kind of like with Isle of Dogs and all the Japanese. I mean, didn't you not get us like uh, da da? And, you know, I got, <laughs> yeah, I got that part of it. Um, but I thought that was just kind of interesting to see in a movie because you don't get that in a lot of other places. And I'll fall back on the cinematography and the editing. I thought that was kind of cool. Is it worth being three hours of a movie about a clown? No. Oh. But I've watched worse Hindi films. 
Ooh. I would I would put this in my top certainly 20 worst Hindi films, no question. No question. I mean, off, off the top of my head, the Ramsey Brothers Hotel was worse. <laughs> oh, I would watch those any day over this. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, Mastizade. I was just about sucked. to be like, keep in mind, Matt has seen Mastizade. Yeah, that <laughs> sucked. Uh, Arakshan hated that movie. Um, no, I'm with Beth. I would, I would put. I mean, this... I'm not recommending this to anybody, <laughs> and it's a huge mistake. But I think this movie. No, I don't think it's a huge mistake because uh, I think I think this film says something about its creator. I think it's intended to say something about its creator, but I think oh, ultimately sure. what it says is not something that. I find valuable. It, and I think we probably already knew it. Yeah. You know, I don't, I suspect this isn't saying anything that we, that people at the time didn't already have a very good idea of about Raj Kapoor. Cause he's already made a bunch of other movies and he's been super famous his whole life. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure why this was, why this felt like a good idea to him. What did you think of this song that kicks off the uh, second part of his life where Garmendra's the, uh, um, He's both the owner of the uh, circus <laughs> and a uh, acrobat. That seems difficult for liability concerns. But the uh, the, the song where he's talking about now I'm, a, I'm an established clown. People know me for my clowning. And he ties that in extremely directly to his cinematic uh, work where you're seeing scenes from Shree 420 and other uh, black and white comedy films. I thought that was interesting. And I... Can't think of many uh, of the older Hindi films that I've seen that really do that. You see that occasionally nowadays with like a Farrakh Khan film, but not too many other ones. The actual like using of other films, uh, Student of the Year is another one, but using old films to comment on the action of the movie and also the performer's legacy. But also the performer can't do that stuff anymore because he's too old. So I didn't mm-hmm. – I mean, I felt like that was really what it was for. Mm-hmm. But you, you're probably right. Like, I do think Raj Kapoor, he's never boring in my experience. And he's oh, he's got an idea. He's got a point of view. You're, he's going to tell you what it is. Um, and I think he does things very deliberately, quite consistently. So, yeah, I'm sure you're right. I just kind of thought, oh, right, because you can't actually do pratfalls and stuff anymore. But I think his point of view is that he's great. Oh yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And I for guess, sure. I guess that level of hubris, like everyone should care about my pain, which I, I just, I, I don't care that these women aren't interested in you. Get over it. Like you right. have, there's no reason why they should be. This is not sad. Like, like you're just, you're. Are just, you saying that a he's homeless just a clown? Entitled oh, asshole. Are you saying that a homeless clown <laughs> yeah. with a sick mother is not really bringing a lot to the table? <laughs> <laughs> he he's kind of willingly homeless. Like I don't get the sense right. that like he has befallen so much hardship that um he doesn't have a choice. Like it is it is a little bit confusing between he's just so heartbroken he can't work anymore. Yeah, it is a little bit confusing between the um second and third as to why he has such right. dramatically changed his entire life. Um I mean his mother dying while watching him on stage would be a big one and also his Russian girlfriend going back to Russia, but like, you could probably not be a bum. Yeah. Right. But th- this really does feel like his ego, his ego run amok. Like, I, I am this great artist and everyone is going to, you know, be interested in this four hour movie 
about what a sad clown I am and how women don't love me. And I think I think the some of the casting supports that interpretation because mm-hmm. Darmendra, obviously a huge star, mm-hmm. um, and they have him. This is, I mean, I really like Darmendra. This is not his finest work by any no. means. I feel like he's really phoning it in in this one. Mm-hmm. Although he does, he does rock the acrobat outfit because he's Darmendra. But like, so they, so Raj Kapoor bends this megastar to his will, and Rajendra Kumar, who plays the movies, you know, plays himself yeah. in the third part, is also a huge superstar. Mm-hmm. I think his star is waning by this point. And frankly, I've never really quite understood why he was so popular. But you know, so he's he's having other people who are at his level, more or less, at least as actors, su- support his notion of self and everything, mm-hmm. which is, it's pretty self-serving. And and also kind of to, to put, to cast his own son as the younger <laughs> version of him, again, to like, to really kind of... He's a striking person, though. Yeah, like, but... Like, well, looking at Rishi Kippur is really interesting. Yeah, but but it really. I think but that his it, eyes. It's interesting because we know him now, right? Like, I don't think he's. I don't think people at the time would have necessarily thought that was particularly interesting beyond the tabloid value of oh, that's Raj Kapoor. No, no, no. Exactly. I, I'm just thinking it, it, visually, he is an interesting person to look at. His eyes are so blue. His eyes are very blue, and <laughs> he does not look like a star kid. I would say, especially nowadays, like he just looks like kind of a normal guy. It was weird, though. We we yeah. noticed that in between Og and Marinam Joker, um, Raj Kapoor apparently turned into Dom DeLuise somehow. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was weird, and it makes me wonder what Rambir Kapoor is going to look like in twenty years, considering yeah. there, the, there are... the Kapoor clan seems to turn into Dom DeLuise's over time. I mean, if he keeps the alcohol in check, he'll hopefully he'll be fine. But mm-hmm. that that seems to be their problem. There are moments in Og where I thought He's that Raj Kapoor looked like Rambir. Yeah. There's a couple moments, and then sometimes the way yeah. the lighting hit, I thought, like, oh, he really does look like that. You've right. got to see his dad. His dad yeah. is hot. Ooh, all right. Nice. All right. Impressed, I think. Okay. I, I am interested. But Let I do me... think, wait, I do think it feeds his own ego to cast his son as his younger self. Yeah. Not, not you know, another child star. And I understand, you know, like, this is the Kapoor family and the nepotism in Bollywood. Like, so I understand all the reasons why he'd do this, do it. <laughs> but but none of those but all of those again are 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 part of ego right and and i think i think it is i think it's somewhat distracting okay let me posit something for you and it's distracting in a way that i didn't find shashi kapoor in uh yeah i would say younger yeah interesting i think yeah. shashi was actually really great in that as yeah. just an eight-year-old yeah shashi kapoor yeah. i think gives a much better performance like child star performance than Rishi Kapoor does. Yeah. And yeah. also, he doesn't have to, like, leer at adult women. Right. So. He had better material, to be mm-hmm. fair. Yeah. And girls his own age, for sure. Let's talk about a bit about the differences between um, black and white and color. Uh, so... A lot more colors in the new one. Yeah. Beth, you have seen more of Raj Kapoor films. How do you think he handled the transition from black and white to color? Because personally, I don't find this film as artistically interesting as I find Og. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And his, um, the, the Bobby, 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 I don't think is trying to be as artistic as, mm. as the two films we've seen today. So that one I would give a pass. I think it's more about the sort of the story and the, the idea of what the youth today are all about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, Satyam Shivam Sundaram also is, um, that's a color film too. And he, he it actually has so many of the same things in it as Og. That was really interesting. I was like, oh, I've seen this movie before, except um, he has Shashi play the 
play the weirdo creep. Um, but it, I don't think he handles the transition to color well at all. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're as pretty. I think they're they are colorful. Like he's making use of at least that aspect of it. But I don't. I just don't see these as being as pretty mm -hmm. um, as his others. And I. I I was saying on Twitter the other day, I think that's true of Ray also. Um, so I'm not saying that Raj Kapoor is a terrible filmmaker because he couldn't do that or anything, but I think it happens to various people. Um, and you probably know a lot more about that than I do, but I just, I just don't think that. Well, I don't know. Do you think he repeats some of the same tricks in color that he did in black and white? Cause I'm tempted to say no, although I haven't thought about it very hard. He uses the proscenium arch in both of them, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's a depth to black and white photography mm. that you you don't always have with color, mm -hmm. and, and 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 you can develop with color, but with this kind of style of filmmaking, there there's kind of a a flattening, I think, of visual image, and it's it's more focused on having a lot of color in the frame and not necessarily yeah. tones. I would say that for all of them, mm -hmm. except for the third part with Padme. I thought yeah, that had I mean, a lot more uh, deep focus, and it was just more interesting mm. to look at. I mean, I liked it because it was so garish, and it looked like uh, Dick Tracy <laughs> or something. But, mm. um, you know, he was he was playing with some fun stuff there. Yeah, but I, I, I think you are correct, Beth, though, when you say that he's certainly not the only filmmaker that um, kind of loses... Um, loses some of the artistic quality in their images mm -hmm. when they move to color. And I mean, uh, the same thing happens when filmmakers move from silent cinema to sound cinema. Sure. And so sure. kind of whenever, um, and, and I mean, colors obviously, you know, by 1970 had been around for a long time, uh, you know, since the, the thirties. Mm -hmm. Um, but it took a while for it to, for them to kind of stop making black and white movies and completely switch over. And I think, I think, yeah, there's, there's, there's things that you can do with the image in black and white that are, are very different than color and, and, and vice versa. And I yeah. just don't feel like he, and, and that's why I wondered about budgetary restrictions, mm -hmm. you know, and the way that Og kind of reminded me of low budget Hollywood filmmaking at the time. And, and stage how, bound the entire time. Yeah. And how inadvertently mm -hmm. we now uh, see that. Um, as a, a code for something meaningful, you know, like because because mm. there is a noir aspect to it. I would I would never say it's noir, but there's there's a noir aspect to you know the chiaroscuro lighting, um, and 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 a lot of the close-ups and the the the, the, the stage boundness of it. And I think now we kind of see that um, in a certain way and and signaling a certain level of class and prestige. Uh, which is interesting because I don't think it said that at the time. Um, mm. But with color, like he now, and 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 certainly he's going to have a bigger budget now because he's a huge star. Not that he, you know, didn't have a lot of money um, because of his family connections and everything else when he started uh, with Odd. But there's just kind of like, just because he can make a bigger spectacle doesn't actually mean that it connects you know, so yeah. it's just, it just kind of feels like more. It just kind of feels like he's able yeah. to do more, but not do it as effectively. Yeah. You know, and so it's just, you know, he has more, so he's not in as control. He's not controlling mm -hmm. stuff as, um, as precisely. That's how I felt in kind of comparing um, the visual language of the two films. I didn't, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, Matt, with some of the editing in the, the, 
the last third of the film being somewhat interesting and there's um, kind of an interesting song sequence where Kapoor is um, what's the word I'm looking for the he's like a marionette of his uh... no not that one oh. um, where he's kind of superimposed where Kapoor's reaction is superimposed on Padme's mm. dancing but it also just kind of looked cheap and I don't know if that's a cheapness because of you know um, a certain bias I have in you know 2018 about how how movies should look or a certain bias I have because I'm watching a YouTube transfer. Mm. Yeah. But do you want to talk about the dance sequence where the doll dances? I mean, I thought that was interesting too. Um, you know, I mean the moment when he's dressed up as the doll is really like, it's very creepy. It, it, it's not good. It's not good. Why, why, why choose this design? <laughs> yeah. Like presumably they could have chosen any clown doll. Why this clown doll? Do you think they made it? I'm a, Maybe they were uh, going to try and sell them afterwards. Ooh. Yeah. Your your uh, little boy or girl could also be a clown like Raji. It is. Goody. It is like, you know, it's good merchandise. If the, yeah. You know. He smiles even if he's upside down, as uh, Marina says. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at some of my screenshots as you're talking, and yeah, that is really <laughs> that is creepy. Should we put the clown as the image for the episode? Definitely. Especially once they're starting to get superimposed on each other at the end, and he's seeing the girls and the clowns, the girls, clowns. It's <laughs> driving him mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll go with that one. I will say, though, that um, one of the Filmfare Awards that, that this film won was for cinematography, for best color cinematography, back when they still differentiated between black and white and color. Mm-hmm. I... <sighs> I don't see it, but you know, again, maybe maybe this YouTube transfer is is not. <laughs> I just wanted to look up what else came out in 1970 to see if I can, you know, be outraged. <laughs> it's the 1972 <laughs> awards. It took me a while to figure that out, and I don't know why. It was released in December 1970. So. Everyone was still probably watching it to get, you know, it took a while to get through it, so that's why it was 1972. Yeah, because the movie's long, Aaron. It's really long. That's the joke. I have not seen a lot of these 1970 films, but I mean, one of the Dev Anand kind of, kind of spy-ish, if I recall correctly, came out like that surely looks better than this movie. I don't know. There's going to be, oh, mm, and the train. That was a good one. Eh, I don't know. Some years on the film fairs, it's just, you know, mm, what were they thinking? Well, and pocket were they in and who's boycotting so they don't give them an award and blah 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 exactly always take references to the film fair awards with a grain of salt mm-hmm. um but as someone oh. who who finds awards interesting i always like to mention right. it and bring it right. up no i think it's worth bringing it. up yeah well that's what the industry thinks is important thing exactly and that's why i find it you know because we've had some people criticize us for for mentioning the film fair awards at all because mm. Um, you know, many people think that they're corrupt and it's just a popularity contest. And I don't disagree with that. Um, I don't know enough to agree or disagree, to be perfectly honest. But I do think it's interesting in the same way that I think the Oscars are interesting to have a snapshot of what the industry at the time thinks is important about itself. Mm-hmm. And so I think- Although the film fairs are run by, I mean, aren't they run by a publications group? Yeah. <laughs> So they're not, they're more not like the Golden like Globe Academy. No, it's, it's different, yeah, but it's more Golden Globe-ish or something. It's what the yeah. voters thought. Yeah. Could this be the, you know, you're getting up there in age, Mr. Kapoor, here's your awards. I would, I would really love to, I 
think I read at least the same basic intro is a basic information about this film as you because I was seeing the thing about it. it's been critically reevaluated and I was like I would really love to see those essays because I I would need some serious convincing that this film deserves any kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> place on it and cult I've never met anyone who likes this film when they say cult favorite I'm like who we <laughs> so had one, one listener and I believe she's but... from Peru yes a listener of ours from Peru has told us that the film is popular in Peru yeah. So there you go. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I agree with you. I, I really, I don't, I don't see it. And unfortunately, um, there's not like a lot of writing out there on kind of this era of Indian filmmaking. Um, when you're just searching on the internet, you know, that's why your blog is so useful, mm. Beth, and, and, and kind of going through the back catalog of all the films you've mm. discussed. Uh, because, you know, even like, even the Wikipedia page entry for Raj Kapoor, I was surprised was kind of thin. Mm-hmm. This one had and a... And this film, I even, yeah. like, it's a, it's, it's a little thin. But... The Marinam Joker references were mostly to lists of uh, movies that flopped mm-hmm. or movies that have become cult movies since then. Not but a lot again, of evidence like, to the, like, explain. With who? Who? Where is this cult? Like, cause, right. you know, when, when I told people we were watching this movie, they were like, oh boy, Why? <laughs> Yep. Right. That's what I got as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that we could talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. And our sterling but, conversation will, you know, kickstart their critical reevaluation. <laughs> I also don't think I know a ton of uh, mega Raj Kapoor fans. Mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming they're out there somewhere. Maybe they're all in Russia, but in Peru. But mm-hmm. I don't. I know some people who like some of his early stuff. And I know at least one person who will, you know, sort of defend Raj Kapoor as an artist, which is fine. But I don't think I know a ton of people who really just actively seek out his films as a whole, um, true as an actor as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that, I mean, maybe some of this isn't aging well or whatever, but he just, he just doesn't, in my, you ran across his earlier stuff in academic writing a lot. I'm sure you've seen it. And like a lot Mm -hmm. of people love the black and white stuff, but beyond that, I don't feel like he has a lot of currency right now, but maybe I'm just not reading the right people. I, yeah. Devin Nam's career have a similar trajectory? Well, that's what I was going to say. I read far more about Devin Nam than I do about Raj Kapoor. And his movies got much worse. Much worse. Yeah. But he, he would still be like directing himself even into what the eighties or nineties, right? Yeah. 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 So. And I think maybe Raj Kapoor would have too, if he hadn't died. Yeah. He died pretty early. He wasn't super old when he died, and I it's kind of hard to imagine him stopping. Maybe mm-hmm. that's wrong. I don't know. But It's interesting, you know, 1970, we've got the angry young man down the, down the pipe later. This is kind of the end of a different sort of, you know, great man cinema, right? Then you have a swaggering I mean, this is the Rajesh Khanna period. This is when Rajesh Khanna is just cranking out hit after hit after hit as a, you know, you can hear my air quotes, romantic yeah. hero. Um, and this is not, you know, this is not what Raj Kapoor is after at all. But they're, they're, they're getting to that, um, you know, the swaggering, angry young guy is down the pike. You got Rajesh Khanna. It's kind of the end of an era. This is his swan song. Or at least he thought so. I, I couldn't say. I don't know enough. I mean, he makes so many, he makes several more movies in the 70s, right? So it's kind of hard to, and into the 80s. So I don't, I, mean, I don't. Hopefully they're not all four hours long about how great he is, though. 
No, I don't. I don't know that any of them. The rest of them are about how great he. I'm trying to think if he's in the rest of them. I don't think he is, um, which is a good switch. But yeah, in terms of his own statement about himself as an artist, maybe he felt this was the last chance he was going to have to do it. I don't know. He would have been what 45 ish when this movie was made. So. And the response probably. Oh, it's a midlife crisis film. Everything makes sense all of a sudden yeah. now. No wonder <laughs> the women are the way they are. Yep. Yeah. So there we go. That's Marinon Joker. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've exhausted all the things that we can say about Marinon Joker. I, I really did hate it. Uh, I would say package watch. We do see a lot of Darmendra in this film. <laughs> in the leotards. Yes, you're after for that. If that's what you're after in Hindi films, Darmendra is the way to go. Can I add one little trivia piece about Soviet Indian films? Sure. Please do. So Shashi Kapoor in the late 80s makes a co-production, a Soviet co-production about um, a made up, you know, magical kingdom with Shami Kapoor as the, as the king and Amitabh Bachchan as the hero. Uh, and it does have some Russian actors in it. Mm. And it's, uh, it's uh, severely disliked. It was panned. It flopped. It almost ruined him, et cetera, et cetera. Same kind of story. It's so much better than this movie. It's called mm. Ajuba and everyone should watch it. Okay. Ajuba. Okay. Yeah. We could do an episode on Soviet connections too. Find a couple other ones. I don't think there's any like political commentary in it or anything, so I don't I don't know exactly why why it was a Soviet co-production, but it was. Hmm. And I, some people told me it has some Russian fantasy film elements to it. I cannot speak to that, having never seen any. But so. well, Beth, thank you so much for coming on and um, lending your expertise. And sorry um, for picking the movies. <laughs> You know, it was really interesting to get to watch these as a, you know, like a homework assignment in a good way, right? I yeah. would not have gotten to Maranam Joker ever, I'm sure. And I, I do feel like I've learned some things by seeing it, especially by having a conversation with good people like yourself. So thanks for having me. Thank you. That's a great attitude. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. When you set an assignment for yourself, it's different, uh, like for your film watching. It's different than like yeah. choosing to watch things for fun. Because, yeah, there's so many things that I've watched for podcasts that I would never watch otherwise and sometimes it's a pleasant surprise and other times it's three hours of a clown yeah this movie has really not convinced me i like clowns i think i hate them more <laughs> oh no it's no good for that at all <laughs> yeah but uh Og, i would recommend you know Og is interesting. and i i i would like to to see varsat awara and shri 420 they've been on our list for a while so down the line, uh, we hope to revisit Raj Kapoor as, you know, his, his legacy is large in Bollywood. Mm -hmm. um, but His progeny. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to need a, I'm going to need a break. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and with that, um, Beth, how can people follow you online? Where can people find uh, you and your perspectives? I'm on Twitter at Beth Loves Bolly, and my blog is BethLovesBollywood.com. Beth, thank you again for coming yes, on the show. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. And Thanks I, for asking me. It was fun. I hope um, this uh, ramshackle production uh, met your expectations. I was ramshackle really, is how we roll. Come exceeded on. your expectations. <laughs> I was excited to have you on because I just I feel like you know so much about an era of Bollywood that like I wish I had more experience with. But I'm getting there. We're getting there. All in good time. So, Matt, we will be back in two weeks with a new episode, and this is an exciting one, I think. I mean, okay. they're all exciting. They're uh, all great. Yes. We are going to be celebrating the 20th anniversary of Cooch Cooch Hota High. A movie that many people assume we've seen. Yeah, but we actually haven't, and we haven't because we've been waiting for this moment to watch it for the show. So we're We've been lying in, in wait. Coming in fresh. It's the 20th anniversary, and we're going to be joined by a pair of special guests. 
Aparita and Basaki from the Kabardar podcast. They're going to correct all of that pronunciation when they join us in two weeks to discuss this uh, beloved Karen Johar uh, 90s classic. In the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? Well, we're on Tumblr, bollywoodisforlovers.tumblr.com. On Twitter, at BollywoodPod. I'm there, too, at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S. I'm at Erin Fraser, E-R-N-E-F-R-S-E-R. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash BollywoodIsForLovers. And if you're a fan of the show, if you're enjoying what you hear, please leave us a star rating and review on iTunes. We do read them out on air, and it really helps new people discover the show. I also do a weekly podcast with Paul Matwichuk. We recently did an episode on... um. Oh, uh, pop stars who find themselves at the center of conspiracies. It was a bit of a high-concept episode, but I liked it. Maybe a little. Uh, and so we discussed uh, two of my all-time favorite movies, Perfect Blue and Josie and the Pussycats. So check that out. And yeah. I think that that does just about does it for another episode. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>